Good morning, church. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? I think it's beautiful. Look at the sky. That's all you need to do. Look at the sky. It's beautiful. The grass is green. The flowers are blooming. What a beautiful day. I just want to welcome those of us who are here for the first time. If you are with us for the first time or haven't been for a long time. Hello. There yeah, we got we got a few people here. We got two people here. Please let's give them a thank you. We are so glad you could be with us today. Welcome. I uh, just want to give some greetings from my husband, the one and only. Uh, <laughs> I must introduce myself. My name is Nancy Mugambi. Mugambi is not here with me today. He is resting at home. Hopefully we'll have some lunch when we go home. I am married to one and only Mugambi. I have two children, two boys, teenage boys. They're somewhere at the corner. And the Lord is good. The Lord has been so good to us. And we always say we are so blessed that we are here and to be part of this community and part of this church. Today was supposed to be the latest Sunday. It was let's bloom again. This weekend was let's bloom again, but we can still bloom. It was quite appropriate within them when I'm sure when the, the ladies were planning for this weekend, they had no idea that this is how it was going to turn out to be. But today, even as we bloom again, I just want to take us back to who God is and have said today that our God is Jehovah Shalom. And it's only used once in the Bible in the book of Judges chapter 6, verse 24, by Gideon. And you remember the story of Gideon? Those of us who can remember the story of Gideon in, in Judges. And it was a time when Gideon was doubtful. So he said, if you read it, I'm not going to read it, but I'll give you some homework to go and read the whole of it. I'll just read the portion that I'm going to uh, be sharing on. Gideon, he was the smallest. He was small in his family. His family was the smallest in the tribe. The tribe was the smallest in the community. Everything was small. It was just so minuscule for this man. Everything was just small. I'm small, I'm small, I'm small. So in the lineage, he must have been somewhere down there. But God chose to use this man. And because he was human, he was quite doubtful. And he asked God for different things. Until God said, okay, if you, you know, there are quite a number of things that he asked God just to prove that God is God. And finally, in Genesis, uh, sorry, in Judges chapter 6, verse 24. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in opera of the Abelzites. 
when I come back to the story of Gideon, at the end of it, he used the most unorthodox way of winning the battle. Can anyone tell me what that was? It's a bit of interaction here. Very unorthodox. There was no spears and no bows and no arrows. It was an empty jar and a trumpet with 300 men, and the battle was won. The Ammonites, all the kites, the battle was won. And I would just like to share a story that happened to me a little while ago, and I felt when my husband got sick, and I was saying, it's night, we haven't got anything, and and he said, okay, I think you can do this. So, and I went to my closet and said, Lord, I don't know, I don't know what to do. It's, it, there's no time. And I've slept. But this morning when I woke up, this is what I had the Lord tell me to share. Um, and I'm going to share this. I have not lived this story in a long, long time. But it's a story of hope and a story of peace. And as I share a story of hope, peace, and God's goodness in the midst of it all. And I wrote it so that I, I'll not keep you for a whole day because I'm a storyteller. Here I start. I'm understanding stories. Okay, the year was 2001, and by the way, my children have not heard this, so it will be, I'm sure I'll get many questions after this. I have never heard this story before. The year was 2001. I was betrothed to be married to my dear friend Mugambi the following year. It was a beautiful autumn day. Some of my family members and I decided to go to visit mom in the country, in the village countryside. And two hours away from Nairobi City, Heather might know, Heather, yeah, say that. And a few people who might have been home in Kenya may know those places. We were three of us, three adults and two children, who were a toddler and an infant. As usual, we coupled, joyfully drove home with the intent of traveling back later in the day as it was customary. We left early in the morning to maximize our time with mom and the extended family. After a wonderful time, and fun, we call it swallowship, that is food and fellowship. We traveled back later in the day as we'd always do. And before we did, my mom would say, okay, let's, we need to pray. Um, some of you have heard my husband always talk about how his mom would pray for everything. Well, I think they're cut from the same, from the same tree. So, so my mom then says, okay, let's, let's pray. We need to pray. We always do that. And we prayed and uh, we said our quick goodbyes, half-hearted goodbyes, as we always do, and on our way back to the city. Everything was fine. Nothing sinister was on sight along the highway. That's the Nairobi Nakuru Highway. Heather, you know <laughs> the road. Yeah, big, yeah. It's beautiful now. You need to come back. Um, just about the Limuru area, 
for those who have visited Kenya, Heather again, may, <laughs> may have an idea that the toddler who was about four years of age at the time suddenly asked to relieve himself, as usual. I wonder why children just want to do the most inconveniencing things at the wrong time. On the highway, he wants to relieve himself. All right, say, so we asked him he could hold on until we were in a good location to park, which he did, poor old boy. I must mention that we parked at a bus station, to be precise, so because it was nice, there is plenty of people. One of the issues we have at home would be security, so highways are not good places to park. You need to be aware there is a crowd. And this place said, okay, there was a bus station and there was a crowd, so it's a good place to park. And we pulled over. The driver then got out of the car and helped the boy out, brought him back in. I was sitting at the back, at the back of the car, and I looked out through the windscreen, and I noticed that our driver was talking to a man outside but I did not make anything out of it. As, as we always talk to strangers, we make friends. That's what we do in new acquaintances. And this happens every day. I thought, right, that's just a more day. That's what we do all the time. But not this time. I was wrong. This time it was different. I noticed then that this man was no usual stranger. And suddenly I saw our driver get his wallet out in, as though he was giving him some money. Then they both walked into the car. But this time our driver pushed his way into the back of the stranger's back of the car while the, the stranger took the driver's seat. Another man stranger got into the back of the car. Now it's different. It was a hostage situation, and we had been carjacked. This was about 6.30. It did not appear real. I did not even process it. My brain cog suddenly stopped. It happened so fast. In the midst of a crowd, no one said anything. But I learned later that, the strangers were armed with pistols, and people may have seen that and feared for their lives. Furthermore, they had asked for money, and when the driver had shown them the wallet, which had barely anything, they were furious and thought that there must have been money in the car or the bank. And they were going to get it. By hook or fluke, they then managed to pull a few jokes, asking how one could have such a car and claim to have no money. <laughs> we are now in, a, on, in an SUV that is packed with beyond capacity, going to a totally opposite direction from home and being driven by a clueless driver. It is now 6.30 6 p.m., and I wonder... 
sometimes I wonder what would have been better. Die by the pistol or by an accident? Well, there's always humor in every situation. <laughs> Our new self-appointed driver did not even have any, of course, driving skills. It was a manual car. Now, a co-driver who was part of my family then decided to help him. So, did a quick tutorial, accelerated learning 101, by showing him what to do. Um, the car kept jacking and jacking and jacking, and the, the people behind, the motorists, are just, you know, getting impatient. But no one stopped. No one stopped. They just drove past and continued. I have no idea why they didn't stop. Uh, but I later noticed that the guy who was sitting with, with us behind had a pistol and was sitting there to inflict fear in case we decided to do anything silly. Finally, the new driver got a hang of it after a few lessons and was able to drive with fewer jackings. We were quickly alerted to the idea that the two men were going for a third one, so a third person to join us, who we understood was the ringleader from the actions and commands, commands that they referred refer to him as master. I remember, I remember that. Master, he was, he was looking bad. He was dangerous looking. Now it's dark. It's now dark. We are very far from home. It's dark. We have two toddlers, one infant and a toddler. We have no sense of direction. But remember the sky was blue. It was beautiful. Um, the stars were twinkling in the air, and there was some moonlight. It was, you know, the sky was, it was just a beautiful, it was supposed to be beautiful and amazing night. It was supposed to be singing all the way, but there was no singing this time round. Everything should have perfect, but it wasn't. It should have, you know, just beautiful after spending such a beautiful time home with mom. At this point, I'm thinking, all right, it got to a point where you feel, I'm in a cast. This can't be real. It just can't be real. But we have a God in heaven. We have a God in heaven. Now, through it all, we had several stops the whole ordeal. One was when they decided to run circus to check if we had hidden money in the car. So they asked for money. They checked the handbags, glove box, and vents, any vents that could, they could think of. There was no cash. But there were cards. There were bank cards. This infuriated them greatly. They decided to get someone else in the driver's seat who appeared to know what they were doing mm -hmm. to drive us around. So round in circles we went. Round, we later learned that we were actually going the same. It was the same place over and over again when we went there the following day. We actually noticed, you could see the skid marks. It was the same place 
over and over again. It, that appeared an eternity for us. At one point, they asked where we were coming from and going. <laughs> one of my family members was it's so gifted in imagination and short storytelling that she created a story for me. This is what she said. She just formulated. The story was I had been admitted at hospital. There was a hospital just Kijabi hospital, not far from where they carjacked us, and all the money had been spent um, paying the hospital bills. That's why we had nothing. Then they asked what was wrong with me, and they were told that I had an infectious disease, <laughs> which, which I love about today, and that, that actually saved my life. I had an infectious disease, um, and when they turned to me to talk to me, the most amazing thing happened, because when they turned to talk to me, the guy turned to me and asked me, it would be my mother tongue, so what's wrong? I said, and when I opened my mouth to speak, my voice was hoarse. It actually sounded like I'm so sick. I, I couldn't speak normally. My voice just projected somebody who was really, really sick. That for me was profound. It must have been God. And my voice grew hoarse, and I spoke as though, yeah, I was so weak, and like I was just recovering from a serious illness, for real, after having been home and eaten so much. That would have been... That would probably have been the effect. It was a God moment for us. I was safe. They did not dare touch me. I gather they feared for their lives. At least they were afraid. I, I believe that they probably would have eliminated me by shooting me because I was not going to be of any use to them. But they didn't. I had the baby in my arms at the back. As we were now too many to fit in the car comfortably. And it was at this point that I put the money in. I had some notes, um, money notes. So I put the money in the baby's pocket, just in case. Just in case they checked me and noticed I had money. And it wasn't going to be good for us. It's now nine o'clock in the night. We had another stopover, and they decided that we were too squashed and commandeered our driver to go to the boot. Thankfully, he could sit upright, although huddled between potatoes, cabbages, carrots, and all the farm produce that we had carried from home. So, but he could sit upright. And whatever he witnessed was just horrific. That's for another day. Through the toddler, the baby slept through the whole ordeal, but our poor toddler was awake the whole time. He started asking for something. He started saying he's hungry and he needed food. And one of the guys who appeared to be a bit humane asked whether he can offer some candy. It was candy or some snacks and a soft drink. And he said, no, because I want food. That is not food. And he just 
was persistent. He continued wanting food. I remember one time, at this point, I told him, okay, you've taken everything you have wanted. You have done everything you needed to do. Can you let us go home? The children are hungry. They need to eat. When I look at the high side, I don't think I would have said that. But that was a good moment. There was no fear at that point. No fear at all. We are vulnerable. We are there vulnerable in God knows where, because we didn't even know where we were. But God was there. There was another stopover and asked her to get out of the car, apart from me, because I was the invalid and the children. So I remained in the car, and the potatoes and the cabbages, all the veggies, they were fresh. And decided to ransack the car, and unfortunately all they found was the diapers, the baby clothes, and fresh, veggies and veg- fresh fruits and vegetables. That quite infuriated them. And they said that we were... We are still not telling the truth. They really needed the money. And now there are three of them and they are all armed. But God protected us. Now now that they could not find money, they thought, okay, we can sell the car. At that point, uh, that, uh, that model was selling very well in the black market. And I did tell them, well, if you just showed us where, where the road is, you can take the car. We just need to be, you know, where there's some light. We've got children, you know. I, I don't think I can say that today, but I was good at that point. Others decided we could go, go to the bank and have the ATM and, you know, get the money, but they decided it was too far and they were afraid of the police that they probably would, somebody would have reported. And what they decided was to get out of the road. They were not anywhere near the road. They were in the bushes. So that even if the police were looking at, for them, they would not find them. And we, we had mobile phones, but they just, they just started being used. However, the Lord is always watching over us, no matter where we are. One of the, my, greatest, my greatest scriptures is Psalms 23. And we, we can't even recite it, but it came popping out at that point that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not mourn. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. My, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies and anoint my head with oil. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord's word is true. Whether we are deep in the valleys or up in the mountains, it does not change. Right now, we are literally in the midst of a storm and a flood, literally. But does that change God? No. He's still the same God, the same yesterday, the same tomorrow, the same today, and in the days to come. 
He will command angels to take over us, watch over us. At that point, mom, we learned later, mom said that she felt she was disturbed within her spirit. And she couldn't sleep and she started praying until there was peace and she, she slept. And then when we were telling her about what had happened, we had to call home and say what had happened. Then she realized at that point that God had led her to pray. But there was victory. Don't you like, oh God, there is victory always at the end of it. Doesn't matter what storm you're going through, there is always victory. And we can hang on to that hope, knowing that the Lord, our peace, will give us peace in the midst of it all. And there was confusion in the camp. So we've gone round, we've done everything, we've gone round. It's now headed to 4 p.m. They, they got us at about 6.30. It's 10 p.m., the children haven't had anything to eat. We've been in this car, in and out, in and out, tormented, saying all sorts of things that evil people say. There was confusion in the camp. The three thugs started disagreeing amongst themselves. Some wanted to take the car. Some wanted to go to the bank. Some wanted money. But there is one who was feeling for the children, somehow, somehow, God began to put things in them. And they began to change. So they began to disagree amongst themselves of what to do, what to do with us, and what to do with a car. Now, the ringleader, who they called master then, suddenly asked the driver, who was one of them, to stop. And when the driver didn't stop, uh, he was angry at that. He slapped him. And he told him, I said, you stop. And he stopped. Just abruptly stopped. And he told him, I'm telling all of you, get out of the car. Um, that he was telling the gentleman. He's not a gentleman. He was an evil man. So that evil man was telling him, he told him and to come out of the car. So the driver and the other guy behind us with us to get out of the car, which they did. And we're just watching, and they're just on the side, and they, I can see they're disagreeing. They, they can't agree. They are actually almost walking into a fight. And then the, the ringleader came around and opened the boot for our driver and let him out. And he came in front and asked him, do you know where you are? And he said, no, I don't. He said, okay. Get into the car. So he got in the car. Okay. And he asked him, he told him, okay, what do you do? Drive straight. The highway is ahead. That was a profound moment. And in a split second, he was in the car and drove like a Formula One driver. You know how they do it. it went so fast. And suddenly, there was adrenaline drop. Everything just came tumbling down. The, the stress and everything, the reality of, the gravity of the, the ordeal just 
came over us like a blanket, heavy, wet blanket. I remember there was tears and wearing and screaming and asking. And our driver just drove. He just, he just drove. So the highway and he just drove. He just, I've never seen him that fast. He just drove. And for whatever reason, he went straight to hospital. He just drove straight to the nearest hospital. And at that point, um, and he got out, and we got out, and he, had, he called a few people who came to have the children so they can have, take the children. <laughs> and I was, I was calm the whole time because I had the children with me. I had the baby and I had the toddler. I'm just guarding them. And when we had people come in and take the children, and suddenly the gravity of everything just came, and I st- couldn't stop. I just was talking like that commentator of the footy, Australian footy. I just couldn't stop talking. And I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking. And, and the doctor just came in. <laughs> he looked at me, listened, and he gave me some, something. And I was out like a light for two hours. And I could hear the same was happening to, to the rest of my family members in adjacent rooms. They're just talking and screaming and talking and screaming, and, and, and it, was, it was horrible. But in the midst of all this, I'm sharing my, my story today to encourage somebody. It doesn't matter how great the situation is. There is a God in heaven. There were many questions at the time, and there were, why God? Why? Why did you allow this? And there were just so many whys as we, we drove us, why, why, why? And God seemed to just be silent, just quiet. I don't care. So like, how? Oh. I was sleeping while this was happening, you know? It, it almost felt like, why? Why, why did you let this happen? Why did you let this torment and torture for so many hours? Why? He didn't say anything, but he was there. There was that peace, that sort of peace that I was there. I promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you, and my word is true. My word is true. It stays. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The word of the Lord is true. It's true and starts true. And he is our peace in the midst of storm. He is our strength for tomorrow, for he holds our future in his hands. It's taken a long time to heal from this. And as I said earlier, I have not lived this in a in a long time. We had great support of family and friends along the way. And we knew that our God was with us through it all. It would have been worse. He probably would have killed all of us and dumped us somewhere. And our family would have been wondering what happened. They, they left home and never got back home 
but God. So be strong and take courage. Do not fear or be dismayed. For the Lord will go before you and his light will show the way. Why don't you give him all your fear? Why don't you let him wipe all of your tears? He knows because he's been through pain before. Don't be afraid to let God have it. Don't be afraid to let go of your pain and your suffering and whatever it is in your heart. Don't, let go, don't be afraid to let it go to God. Just let him have it because he wants to. He wants to. I was looking at Joshua 9, and it was quite interesting. This is what he says. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's Joshua 1.9. I thought about the scripture said, well, why would God say, why was he told, be strong and courageous? And by the way, notice it was a command. It was not, I think you might think to be strong and courageous. No, he commanded. It was a command. Why, why the command? The reason being, he was going to have situations that he would need to be strong and courageous. Situations are going to get onto his way that warranted him to be strong and courageous. Hence, he said, be strong and courageous. And it was a command. I command you, be strong and courageous. And Karang today, in the environs of this place in Australia, and especially we who are here now, is a moment of finding strength. Finding that strength for tomorrow, that strength for the next minute, wondering what's happening around us. Homes are getting inundated. People are dying of floods. We have no crop, really, no harvest when you look at it at the end of the year. I, looked, I wondered what would happen with the animals, the sheep. They're just stupid. They just handle together and they won't move. So they just drown. God knows why he created them that stupid. What about the cows? I'm thinking, what will happen? Well, they can't swim, but they'll keep going to higher ground. And I wondered, what happened to all those animals? We can save ourselves and our pets, probably, but we can't carry our herds of sheep and cattle and whatever else. But the Lord is the Lord who is watching over them. Think about it. He created the universe. He said that there be and there was. He created the heavens and the earth. He separated the earth, the land, and the sea. If this is the God that we serve, the God that I believe in, the God that I trust, why fear? Why be afraid? He holds the world in his hand, in the palm of his hand, right there. I can see, yeah, that's her down the corner there. She's up to some mischief. 
knows. He knows where we are at right now. He knows what's happening to us. He knows each one of us. He knows what is wrong with us. He knows that we are afraid. He knows that we are anxious. He knows that we, we don't even know what to do. He knows. And you know what he wants? He just wants us to let him have it. Just let him have it. He's the God who can save us from the snare of people with pistols and those who can't even drive and whatever else. He can save us from anything. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want a bigger amen. I know you're not used to saying, but praise the Lord. Amen. There you go. (laughs) Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Most of us know of it in the fairy furnace. And the Lord saved them from there. David, uh, we got talk Daniel in the den of the lion. Didn't the Lord save him? Didn't the Lord save him? The Israelites, and they're away from Egypt. Well, they were in Egypt. In Egypt, God still was there. They are trying to cross the Red Sea. The enemies are at the back and the sea at the front. Didn't the Lord save them? And why are we so afraid? Why are we so afraid of things that are not even there? Why is our faith so small? Why are we so scared? Why do we talk as those who have got no hope? Why is our speech so hopeless? Yet we have a God who is so big. My prayer today is that as we live here, we will change our tone. We will change our speech and talk as people who know who the Lord is. As a people who know that they have a God who is so great, who is so mighty. (laughs) Amen. Our God has not changed. The same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. We can trust him today. We can trust him for tomorrow. Because his promises are sure. If he cares about the tiniest sparrow, you remember the sparrow? That tiniest bird that really is worthless. When you come to the economic terms, market terms. It's so worthless. Cause it a penny in the Bible days. Yet he cares about it. He cares about it. How much more? How much more about us? So I'm praying that may the Lord, may the Lord encourage us <laughs> that He is watching. He is with us. He will never. And every day, I've lived every day. And every day I faced a trial, and that makes me better. It makes me stronger. And I stand here as a testimony that there is a God in heaven. I don't know, some of you would be, you're wondering about your children. I know there are people who are worried about their children right now. There are people who are worried about their sicknesses, their diseases. By the way, those diseases are not yours. 
So don't say my, my disease. Mm-mm. You don't own it. Mm-mm. It's not yours. Change that. It's not your diseases. Because Christ paid it all. It is just an infirmity that is in your body. Whether God takes it away or not, he still is God. He still is God. May the Lord encourage us. May the Lord bless us. And if you would, I feel like I would like to pray for somebody today. And I don't know who you are, but I do know that the Lord speaks. I want to pray for people today who are going through situations. The mainly situations that involve their emotional well-being. And I know we are at different points in our lives. You may not say, but God does see it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who are here today and those who are not. Those who are so worried and scared and wondering what tomorrow will hold. That the enemy has so encapsulated their mind that they can't think straight. The fear of the unknown is so strong in their lives right now. But I pray that in the name of Jesus, you will reach out and touch them. Touch each one of them, O oh God. Whether it's a, a man, a woman, a child, whoever it is, Lord, we thank you that you are our Father. We thank you that you created every being, every part of us, Lord, it is yours. And the enemy has no right to overtake that which you have taken. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. And we pray for everyone in this town and outside as they worry and fear and anxiety about what tomorrow holds. We thank you that tomorrow is in your hands. Karang is in your hands. The farmers are in your hands. And Lord, we are in your hands. That this nation is in your hands. We can rest assured that we are in your hands. We give you praise, Lord. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I will invite the worship team to come up.